1: Too. And welcome to the special Baby Driver edition of Blue Shirts Breakaway Nonsense Podcast, the podcast that we'll be doing throughout the summer where we just throw up anything we'd like to talk about anything we'd like. Greg, say hello. Hey, buddy. Hey, bud. Well, you're doing your best Baby Driver impression right now and driving to a destination that I will not be named unless you name it. Uh, and you are uh, <laughs> you, are, you are on the phone yourself uh, doing an impression also of that movie we recommended recently uh, with our Tom Hardy. Is that what, what was the movie? Uh, lock. It's lock. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought you cursed there, but you just said lock. Very good. Um,
2: nope. I said I said the name of the movie that you asked me to give you. You absolutely so. did.
1: Let's talk know. about Baby Driver. Uh, and what we thought. Pretty much uh, on this nonsense podcast we have here. I went in. I want to. I'm a big Edgar Wright fan. Uh, I actually haven't seen uh, The World's End or whatever that's called, but I did love Hot Fuzz and uh, Shaun of the Dead. I was very upset when Edgar Wright. Uh, was told that he could no longer direct Ant-Man. It's one of the reasons why I didn't see it. The movie was half done, and most everything that was his touch was replaced. Uh, so I've been a big fan of his for a while. I know that I know me saying I haven't seen one of his movies kind of shoeholes me here. But Baby Driver, uh, I was looking forward to for a, a quite a long time since the announcement. Reasons being, uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Drive. I like neo-80s stuff. Uh, I kind of like the musical aspect he's always added into the uh, into the movies himself. The, sh- the, sh- the scene in Shaun of the Dead when they play uh, Queen and they beat up the zombies, Don't Stop Me Now, is a fantastic scene. And this movie, uh, in my eyes before seeing it, was going to be an extended version of that. And I have to tell you, uh, it very much was an extended version of that. When I went to the movies and saw it, I was blown away the entire time. I had extremely high expectations of going into the movie. And uh, I would say all of them were surpassed.
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I love Shaun of the Dead is quietly one of my favorite movies ever. Um, Hot Fuzz, I loved every second of it as well. So when I heard that Edgar Wright was doing another movie that immediately piqued my interest, I'll be honest. I went into the movie with super high expectations, but kind of stayed away from any movie review. I didn't have any idea what the movie was truly about. Uh, I heard that there was a lot of, um, musical undertones to it. But I really, I didn't read a single review. I know, I knew the Rotten Tomato score going into it. I did not know anything else. And that was 98%.
1: Ridiculous. And honestly,
2: it blew, yeah, blew away. it blew me away. It was a fantastic joyride from start to finish.
1: And the casting? And
2: the, other, the other thing that surprised me, Yeah, the other thing that surprised me is, I know Edgar Wright from Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, which are very much tongue-in-cheek movies uh baby driver is anything but that i i won't lie that i was kind of expecting don't get me wrong baby driver has points in the movie that are hilarious um but it takes itself very seriously so i'm i'm very happy and very pleased by how good it was because i had like you sky high expectations and i think not only were they all met i i honestly think he exceeded
1: them uh, I I totally agree. I, I forgot to mention he also did Scott Pilgrim, which is another movie I I very much enjoy, even though it was not well received. Like Scott,
2: I I like Scott Pilgrim. I think Scott Pilgrim is one of my favorite movies. No, no it's, but it's one that I can I can sit down and watch it at any time. Solid
1: flick. Like the whole time you're like, this is fun. It's a fun movie. It was it, they they just right. gave him too much budget. That was all. And they thought it would be bigger. That's all. That's I
2: would all. say I would say Scott Pilgrim is a lot more like Shaun of the Dead than it's like Baby Driver. Oh. Baby Driver. I am just going to keep it with the car puns. Maybe your Driver seemed like a hard right turn for Edgar Wright.
1: It was uh you know it's funny he he talked about how this was a an idea he's had for like almost 25 years and he blew it on like a music video for a band that is no longer really popular back in like 1993. Sorry that I don't have exactly like the the band's name in front of me, but if you google I'm sure uh, Edgar Wright early music video, it it has a lot of the same tones. ...as this movie Baby Driver. So he's been trying to get this movie made for a long time. This has been his pet project. And you could tell uh, how much he actually cared about this movie. It's ridiculous. The Every single scene is based on music. All the table reads, they played the songs at the table reads... ...that were going to be playing in that scene. So every single beat in the movie... Like if you watch, If you go back and see the movie again... ...every beat has something happening... ...where some movement happens or some gunshot, a footstep... ...everything matches up perfectly... Uh, so, the, even the details in this movie are uh, actually absolutely incredible. I think, actually, what I wanted to talk about the most is the casting in this movie, I have to say, is, is absolutely brilliant. I'm a big John Hamm fan. Uh, he's probably one of the guys who's cast in the most serious roles, who's actually probably one of the funniest guys in Hollywood, but never gets a comedy role. And I just don't understand why. Uh, not that he was funny in this movie whatsoever, uh, but he played an awesome bad guy. I could never tell if he was, like, a buddy with Ansel... Or if he was, like, uh, going to be... Like, he, he seemed to have a bond with him. Like, he was going to be like, this is a kid I'm going to take under my wing. But as soon as, you know... I guess this is a spoiler podcast, so if you're listening to this, you've already seen the movie. Uh, as soon as, you know, his wife dies, he becomes an entirely different character. And you really see a transformation of, like, this this true psycho who could kill anyone at any point in time. It, 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 a great casting. And also, uh, Jamie Foxx, you could tell how insane he was from the moment. Like, the character development in this... And this movie was so quick, but you really got the full picture of who everyone was very quickly.
2: Yeah, I I won't lie. Um, The compassion Kevin Spacey shows at the end of the movie was kind of surprising to me. I wasn't totally... Because Kevin Spacey, I had the vibe that he was going to be the the hardline motherfucker throughout the entire movie. Like, he seems like a fatherly figure for a little bit to Baby. You kind of get the, the movie could have gone. In reality, the movie really could have ended, like you said. This is a spoiler podcast. The movie could have ended when Baby finally paid back Kevin Spacey. That could have been it. But you knew that you were kind of going through the movie, so something else had to happen. But I, I, I got the sense that Kevin Spacey was going to be the, the big bad throughout the entire movie, and for it to turn out to be John Hamm, and I just like I liked how Edgar Wright gave us a short glimpse at the kind of man that Buddy was when he's having the conversation with Darling in the backseat of the car and they're talking about their trip to Vegas after the job and she goes something along the lines of yeah, I really like how you killed that one guy. You stabbed him. And he's like, yeah, well, he looked at you funny. So you knew that Buddy had a dark side to him and then Bat started pushing the dark side a little bit in the diner and uh, Yeah, it's a nice conclusion with John Hamm. John Hamm was phenomenal. Jamie Foxx, if Jamie Foxx can just play that role in every movie, it's fantastic. I love Jamie Foxx in that role.
1: He was absolutely fucking insane. The diet, I I have to- It was uh, amazing. I I do want to go back and I I want to touch on a few things here. There's a lot of things I want to talk about with this movie, but you touched on the turn uh, for Kevin Spacey at the end of the movie. That was the one thing that bugged me about this movie. Like, I feel like there was a scene or two that might have been cut from the movie that showed Kevin Spacey's character had this sort of compassion, had this sort of love story uh, that was never really fully developed. Because you could tell that, like, the reason why he was letting them go is because he said he was in love once, but that was never developed at all during the movie. He was always, like, this stone-cold, hard guy who was doing uh, syndicate crime. And then all of a sudden, at the end, he's like, I'll take care of it. I said run. And then, like he's shut up and he's dead. Like, what? What could cause him to try and help Baby after, like, pretty much he was using Baby as a slave for a while. Uh, It wasn't really this sort of compassion that he was like giving to him. Very strange.
2: Yeah, it it seems like a
1: quick jump to get to that point
2: just by because he's made he made threats throughout the movie to Deb or about Deborah to Baby. So I don't know why Spacey then seeing Deborah with Baby would turn him so quick at the same time you could kind of justify it from the point of baby made him a lot of money and baby did so kind of without complaining the only time baby baby to the end never had a direct complaint to kevin spacey and i think if spacey knew if he did baby a favor that maybe that favor would be repaid because baby had repaid him for other stuff in the past so maybe he was looking at, at kind of like an investment, but yeah, that, if I had any gripe with the movie, and I, again, I, I don't, uh, my one gripe would be, I, the Kevin Spacey jump to being a compassionate figure at the end was a little surprising.
1: Uh, I would say more than a little surprising, but that honestly, when I come down to it, the pros and cons of this movie, that is the only con I have in my arsenal. Everything else in this movie, I, I think personally was, uh, rather surprising and or perfect. All the music choices really fit well with all the scenes. Uh, from the diner scene on, I was clenched butthole like the entire time. I felt so bad. Like you felt so bad for for baby the whole time. You were like, holy shit! Like this kid is in a really tough position where he can't really get out. Kevin Spacey's pretty much said he would kill the the girl he loves or his family, which is just his foster dad. Um, and he he really can't escape without hurting the people he loves. And then all of a sudden, Jamie Fox's crazy ass character bats. Makes them stop at this diner where he's going to be like going to kill the girl he loves. And Baby has to kind of show uh, show his true side of like let's not kill anymore. And then obviously he gets his revenge uh, later on in the movie. But I-, I can't remember a movie off the top of my head where I was – I felt – I had anxiety sitting in the theater. Can you think of your last movie you sat in where you were like, wow, I, I have anxiety watching this?
2: Um, Rogue One. Uh- I had some anxiety, even though kind of before you see Rogue One, you kind of know what the ending is going to be, because again, you, you know where episode four picks up. So it's a different kind of anxiety because you're trying to see how it all plays out versus will it all play out. Um, I don't know. I can't really think of. I guess. Split is kind of a horror movie, so I wouldn't call it anxiety because that's kind of what I expected from it. Right. Um, yeah, I guess if, I, if I'm going with the movie I saw in theater, it's probably Rogue One.
1: I think Rogue One's a good a good explanation because you kind of know what's happening. The, the the difference between with Baby right. Driver is like you have no fucking idea. <laughs> You're like, I, I right? You, would with, you have been surprised with, with if, Rogue One? You know, you know, you
2: know very much what the ending is. They yeah. they get the plan. Yeah, we know that somehow the rebels get the plan. But with with Baby Driver, honestly, if you didn't read a single review, or even if you did, you have no idea how
1: that movie's gonna end. Would you have been surprised if Baby died at the end of this movie?
2: Uh, no. Me either. I think this movie easily could have ended if, um, if Baby died and Deborah completes the road trip that they talk about. I think that would have been a sad, satis- a less satisfying ending, but a satisfying ending.
1: Yeah, and I totally agree. Which means, like, I was I could believe the entirety of the movie, where like uh, anything could happen. You know, I could see John Hamm killing. Uh killing baby, and then Deborah somehow killing him, and that that almost happened um so yeah so
2: one the one other thing where i I feel like i I wondered a little bit why baby didn't do something different is when they're driving up to the diner. I wonder why baby didn't just say, My mom used to work there, we're not going there,
1: yeah, I think jamie i, I think he thought bats was off his was was little legitimately a psycho and was gonna make him go there anyway, no matter what happened uh and it's it seemed that way, but you're right uh the mom thing could have been played there uh but obviously they had to go to to build the tension scene there it was you know it was a thing that had to happen uh i do want to talk a little bit right. about the ending of the movie and your and get your thoughts since we kind of mentioned out the possibilities of the ending um was there a, a sense to you i know he walks out of jail right it's it's kind of in black and white and goes color was there a sense to you that that was also a dream cuz to me when i walked out i was kind of like i i've gotten a few opinions from people where some people thought it was a dream, and some people it was five years later after, he, and he got out on probation. But then, like how did Deborah get that sick car uh, that she was walking around in? Was, was that real or not? I guess is what I'm asking you.
2: I, I took it as real. We never really know or we never really get an explanation as to what happened with the money that baby took out of his house or the incomplete money orders? That they did steal from the post office, but okay. So you you could get the sense that somehow that money was stashed somewhere else for Debra.
1: So you you know how would they complete the money orders? This is what I I kind of had an argument with somebody. Like obviously they if they had the money orders they could they could get uh they were they could fulfill some of that plan that they were going to do. Uh, I think they lost the bag right with that Kevin Spacey gave them. I'm pretty sure, or but
2: how would. I don't think. The, uh, see, again, I, I'm not 100% sure they did.
1: Okay. How would they
2: have filled and out the money orders? Like,
1: John Hamm was the only guy that could have done it other than the contact that Kevin Spacey had that they killed.
2: Well, I think it's safe to say that Baby has a couple acquaintances in the crime underworld where he could have just sold the money orders to another criminal for 50 cents on the dollar. That's possible. And then the criminal, the other guy gets the full shebang out of them because they know someone
1: that's possible
2: Uh, is it unlikely sure but I I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy to think that baby would know someone that would know what to do with unfulfilled money orders
1: let's talk a little bit about the driving and action scenes were you surprised that actually there wasn't that much driving in this movie when it really comes down to it uh
2: no I, I think there was enough driving I think hard one to shoot those scenes, and it's... And I think there was enough driving where all of it was believable. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Well, the driving itself um, was believable because you saw Baby, even though he was this expert driver and was incredible, he definitely hit a bunch of cars. Um, <laughs> where, like, he did not expect. So you saw the flaws, like, he was still a human, but he was also still sort of a, an excellent driver that... uh was sort of surprising. It You could see, right. I, especially, when, like, uh, I think this, the first heist with Flea. By the way, shout out to Flea for coming to this movie. Uh, I, I think he did it for, like, a very low cost, and he's just friends with Edgar Wright. Um, but in in the Flea heist, you could see he hits, like, three people. They go and steal another car and maybe, like, gives that kid back to that lady. And obviously that's part of his goodwill and getting out early in jail. But he he wasn't a perfect driver, but he was an excellent getaway driver for what he was. I was sort of surprised, to say the least. I thought there would be more like chase scenes and action scenes in this movie, and they were kind of minimal. It was kind of like a tension-building movie, where like, the real tension of the movie was this, the, the tension between the characters and not really the driving scenes. I, yeah,
2: I honestly, I thought there was enough. I, I, I didn't leave the movie thinking I needed more chase scenes. I, I thought the um,
1: quota was filled. I I totally agree. What about uh, sort of the action scenes in this movie? Uh, I know they were a John Wick quality. Uh, John Wick's another animal. Uh, But this was definitely up there on the list of kind of shootouts. The style of the movie was very, uh, I don't know, flashy, is what I'd call it. Especially the scene where they end up killing all the undercover cops. Uh, Were you surprised that Jamie Foxx started shooting people up? Or was that that already evident as soon as they got there?
2: It felt evident as soon as we got there. I think we We had the vibe everywhere Jamie Foxx went he killed someone. Not killed we Yeah, we were never we were never shown or told that Jamie Foxx killed the cashier at the gas station, but it was heavily implied that he did.
1: Yeah, you gotta get that gun.
2: And then we Yeah, it it seems like Jamie Foxx killed someone everywhere they went. He killed the um security truck guy. He killed a guy at the gas station. He killed the undercover cops. He killed one of the other criminals who left his shotgun in the car. He Everywhere Jamie Foxx went, he killed someone. And, I mean, Jamie Foxx himself had the line, when the guy asked him, have we met, he said, we must, you're alive, right? Then we couldn't have met. Yeah. So you got the vibe that's that true. That Jamie Foxx was all about killing people. Um, one of the things I really liked about the movie, I'm not a big music buff. I like that there really was what? two, maybe two uh, trendy songs that someone like me who's not a big music guy would have understood. Like, I know Tequila. Yeah. And then I know um Love It on a Sunday Morning. But outside of that, even the Queen song, that was a Queen song I don't think I've ever heard before.
1: I've heard that song, but it is certainly not a popular Queen song. It's not even the top no. 15 Queen songs. Probably not. I, I
2: like that they went, they went they went very... Off the beaten path with their music selections. I, I thought that was a nice touch because easily they could have done more mainstream music to appease the more mainstream fan, but Edgar Wright knew what he wanted to do and he stuck with it, and I, I am I admired
1: that. Yeah, they used they used everything. Like they went from Run the Jewels. They did Hala Back Girl from Gwen Stefani. Uh, the the Brighton Rock Queen song, like you mentioned. Uh, the, obviously the song. De- did Hala,
2: when did they do Hala Back Girl?
1: They did Hala Back Girl. Uh, let's see here. Uh, "Hollow Back Darling made a reference to the song. This shit is bananas. B A N A N S. Um, during the movie. Oh, but like the song doesn't play. No, it doesn't actually play. Um, but but they make yeah. so many references to other like these genres of songs. Like they have the Steve Miller Band, they have "Cry Baby Cry" and a bunch of other songs throughout the movie. Cashmere, like obviously. Um, and there's just so much like kind of deep cut music that's also sort of this this underground popular culture music throughout the last 30 years, 40 years, uh, and everything gets in, gets into play and kind of gets to shine throughout this sort of crazy action film uh, with so much tension, and and Ansel, by the way, and I, I think this is the point I'd like to really drive home here, Ansel's a Ranger fan, and he goes to games, there's a bunch of pictures of him at games, we need to get him on. How do we do that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, well, if we have learned anything from Adam Clendetting, all we, we just do is keep tweeting at him.
1: I think we should start tweeting at him. I think we should just, like, you know, we'll have some people that listen to this. Maybe a couple people will be like, hey, come on the podcast and just talk Rangers with us. We don't want to talk about any movies or Hollywood. Just talk about Shat and for 20 minutes. That's all we care about. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think it might work. Who knows? We've gotten, uh, we've gotten this far. I, I think we should start maybe uh, doing, driving that home, but. Uh, obviously, he's only 20 years old or 21 when this movie was filmed. Uh, he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. It seems after this one, he didn't. Uh, he did a lot of acting without talking. Uh, obviously, he was played sort of a mute character, but uh, he was perfect for the role. And uh, I obviously am happy for the guy, especially because he's a Ranger fan. And that's I, I think the movie as as a whole for me, four stars, a must see, uh, an absolute great action flick, start to finish, more tension than I ever expected to feel anxiety-inducing, but also sort of uh, has a relieving feeling to it.
2: It's a very satisfying movie from start to finish. I don't think you need to be a big... You can just be a casual movie fan and have a really good time seeing this movie. Like I, I don't necessarily think this movie's going to sweep at the Oscars, but... I don't think I'd it's going to get any Oscars. A, yeah, I just, I'd be, be hard-pressed to find a more enjoyable movie. Uh yes, that I'm gonna see. like. I'm trying to think of movies I'm gonna see this year in theaters that I'm really excited for. We kind of talked about that,
1: yeah. Dunkirk and Spider Man.
2: Yeah, Dunkirk's a little different. I'm not. I'm not going into Dunkirk expecting a good time. Uh, <laughs> I'm expecting like Dunkirk is a different kind of movie. It's not a movie. It, it, I yeah. That I guess that's kind of what I mean. I I'm basically saying I'm not expecting to have the greatest of times in the world was a World War II movie, which I don't think is too <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, it's
1: not supposed to be a uh, feel-good time. Dun- Dunkirk, it's going to be good. No. <laughs> it's going to feel good.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think so. But I not. guess maybe maybe the new Star Wars movie, but I feel like Ugh. the new Star Wars movie has a very high probability of disappointing me.
1: It, you, you know why, though, right? The bar is
0: so My expectations high. are going to be too high. Yeah,
1: it's so high. Yeah, my ex-
2: so, yeah, it, the seventh one was so fun, and Rogue Knight Rogue, Rogue Night, Rogue okay. One was so fun that, uh, my, yeah, my expectations are just going to be too high.
1: They're going to be too for, high. I totally agree. Uh, I, um, at I, the same time, my expectations
2: were incredibly high for this movie, and it lived up to them.
1: I think Star Wars is a different beast, an entirely different beast, especially because right. we can admit that episode seven is just episode four, but new. Um, and with with, oh, totally. a, with a little bit of a twist, they, they hit all the same beats, and now with episode eight, you're gonna have to, you can't just remake episode five, um, it's gonna be an entirely different sort of plot, a lot darker, a lot more character development, and supposedly, not to get too nerdy, uh, but, uh, Mark Hamill has come out and said that he hates everything that's being done to Luke, and every single aspect of it, so now I'm super curious, uh, to see what happens with Luke. I'm assuming he's going to go sort of, uh, against the Jedi Order, and that's why uh, Mark Hamill is not happy with it. But we'll see.
2: Well, I also wonder if Mark Hamill's not happy with it because maybe eight is the last time Luke is in a movie and he's going to be missing out on paydays.
1: Uh, I think he's OK because they paid him twenty five million dollars to not speak in the first one. So,
2: I mean, <laughs> yeah, you have a point. You have a point. I think he's OK.
1: I think he's all right. Plus, he's like a world famous voice actor and anywhere he goes, uh, he'll forever be able to do uh whatever he kind of wants with money. People would pay him to just to, just be Luke Skywalker anywhere, no matter what happens, especially now. Yeah,
2: this is this is also true.
1: All right, buddy. Uh I, I don't know if you want to reveal where you're going. I hope you're not going there, but uh <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am in the I am I am in the parking lot of oh, where oh, I was God.
1: All right well no nope, th- but look okay right, I'll
2: tell people I'm at I'm at I'm at Rivers Casino in <laughs> um Connecticut, New York. Yeah. Am I am I here with anyone? No. No 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 I am not <laughs> Everyone, all the Albany Bros are. It's a wedding weekend, and it's a, yeah. it's for a guy that I, we went to college with, but I wasn't really close with.
1: Probably me. Either, so then I, I'm not wedding. going.
2: I got nothing. I got nothing to do. So I'm just. I've never been to this casino. I'm. I'm going to see if it's worth a dance.
1: All right. Well, uh, I just hope your bank account doesn't uh, take too many hits. I will be working on. Uh, I told some, you.
2: I'm. I'm leaving my card. My card is fast in the glove compartment. It's not coming
1: in with me. Don't don't bring it. Don't bring it, my friend.
2: All right, Greg. Uh, we, because we, this way, the way I see it this way, if I, I have to come back to the car to get it. You got to leave. And if I lose the money in my pocket to come back to the car, I'm just going to leave.
1: Yeah, just leave. Just leave. Call me if you, yep. need, to, if you need help. <laughs> I'll tell you to leave. <laughs> get the fuck out of there. All right. Very good. All right, buddy. Have a great time. Uh, thanks for doing the Baby Driver review. Everyone out there, uh, subscribe to us on, on, on Twitter at Blue Break. Uh, if you're a patron, subscribe. You're hearing this a month early. Thank you so much for your support, as always. If you haven't seen the movie, Um, You probably haven't listened to this, so go see it. And uh, everyone have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done.